French colonizers plundered Haiti, using slaves to wrench sugar and coffee from the soil. Today, for all its richness, the descendants of slaves live in the poorest country of the Americas. The second oldest republic in the Western Hemisphere, Haiti is the only nation ever to leap from slavery to sovereignty in one bloody step. Do you want to start? Do you want to read it or do you want me to read it? No, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Hello, boils, ghouls, and non-binary fiends. I'm Spooky Bruce. And I'm Horror Ryan. This is The Crypt Keepers, a podcast where we examine the HBO anthology series, Tales from the Crypt, and the comics that inspired it. This week, we're covering the fourth episode of Season 2, Till Death, based on the story from Vault of Horror, number 28. Hey, how's it going? Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Yeah. Happy 2022, Happy everybody. Happy 2022, The Revenge. <laughs> 2022, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> this time it's personal. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> What's going on, man? Nothing. I I've, uh, I took the first two days of the year off. I was just like, I'm not doing anything. Right. I don't think I left the house Saturday or Sunday. And since then, I've been working on projects. Yeah? Yeah. Sweet. How are I... you doing? What have you been up to? I know you, you've returned to work. I have, and work is a nightmare. It's end of the year. I work in finance, so pretty much everybody in finance at the end of the year and the end of the fourth quarter Mm -hmm. of the fiscal year loses their fucking minds yeah and doesn't know what they're doing so i'm just putting out fires all day but everything's going well and it's almost over good so good that and uh let's see uh first major house project okay is underway yeah we are getting a couple of cracks in the basement patched up oh okay yeah and we're gonna get a sub pump installed yeah so we realized we about what is it like a month ago? Mm-hmm. There was like a catastrophic rain. Yes, in Kentucky. It's, it's when we had the tornadoes in Kentucky. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, that's where we discovered <laughs> multiple places that leak in the basement. Yeah. So luckily, it was nothing. It was the equivalent of like dropping a full can of soda on the ground. Okay. Like it wasn't a, like uh, it wasn't a lot, but it was right. still It was enough to where we're like, okay, well, I guess we're taking care of this, right? Type of thing. So. Yeah, this should be good, but um hope everyone out there is having a wonderful new year. And unfortunately, the year of 2021 ended on the worst possible note Yeah, of the passing of Betty White. I was really hoping, I couldn't remember or not, but I was really hoping that she was in the Tales from the Crypt episode so we could cover it. <laughs> oh, no, that'd be so but cool. But she wasn't, and no. her her horror output was very slim. Just like, I think just like uh, Lake Placid. Oh, really? The Crocodile movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to see, is there someone universally loved as much as Betty White is? I don't think so. At least not currently. Maybe someone like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I don't think there's anyone really like that in our culture right now. Right. Yeah. I I posted on social media that I think every New Year's Eve, Mm -hmm. on the anniversary of her passing, we should all just post photos of her. Because she was a smoke show. She was. She was in the day. Pretty woman. Yeah, Oof. back in the day. But um, there is actually a movement right now for her birthday, which is January 17th, mm-hmm. because she was a, uh, um animal and wildlife advocate to donate to animal shelters or right. a, a, a animal-related charity of yeah. your choice. That'd be awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I know that the funniest joke that I heard, because y'all, you have to laugh at life. Yeah. You know? And that's, that's. I, I, it's, it, it annoys a lot of people, but 
I need to joke about everything. That's how I deal with negative emotions. That's how, that's is, how I do too. Joking and dark humor. Yeah. So uh, my favorite Betty White joke was she died at the age of 99 right before her 100th birthday because when she turned 100, she couldn't play with Legos anymore. <laughs> because they all say ages, what, 1 to 99? 9 to 99. Yeah. Yeah. So um, she was like, I'm out. <laughs> the one I saw was um, uh, her announcing that a magazine came out about her 100th birthday and then dying at 99 is comedic timing. Great comedic timing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think, what was it? People Magazine? Yeah. I think or something that was doing and That was a- her last tweet was promoting that. Oh, that's what if she was like, lol, <laughs> probably. Right. Right. But RIP right. white. Yeah. So um, long America's grandma. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, so I wrote down just a list of just, um, what I would think mm-hmm. now those listeners out there, Bruce is the encyclopedia of horror. <laughs> I know nothing compared to this guy. The only thing I could possibly think of that I know is like, on his level is probably Marvel. Maybe. I don't know. But this, and I wanted your opinion. Okay. I have a list of a few of my favorite movies okay. from 2021. All right. Let's get into it. All right. This is Horror Ryan's best of 2021. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But, <laughs> uh, number one. Uh, these are no order, by no the way. Order. No that, order. No order. Yeah. Quiet Place Part 2. All right. Okay, cool. Okay. Fear Street. Yeah, the that, Netflix that, trilogy. That was an achievement, I think. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Malignant. <laughs> I know you love it. <laughs> the I most knew you were gonna fun laugh. Movie of the year. It was. Yeah, I'd probably give it the yeah. badge of most fun. Candyman. Excellent. Excellent. excellent I got movie. that for Christmas. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Uh, to me, that's a nine or a ten out yeah. of ten for sure. Um, Halloween Kills. I know that's con- controversial because a lot of people didn't li- did not like it. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah, we both loved it. I we walked out of that theater it. giddy. And uh, my dear lady wife, Grace, looks at me. She sees me right after we walk out of the theater, and she goes, oh, God. Because <laughs> <laughs> she knows. She knows, yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, me and Natalie, we were both like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah. So um, the new Spider-Man. Okay. Um, no Way Home. Yeah, I think that's going to go down as one of the best comic book movies ever. Yes. Yes, for sure. And my, I will say these are in no order, but maybe it's because it's a fresh in my mind. But I think my award for movie of the year uh-huh. is Last Night in Soho. Okay, good. Yeah, I, I, I really know, enjoyed that. Yeah, it just clicks. It's, it has that noir, it, um, like funky music detective mm. whodunit. Yeah, but with a fresh coat of paint. Yeah, and I loved it. I think it's a ten out of ten movie. Uh, it was the last movie I watched last year. Oh, yeah. And I think you posted about it, like you seemed to enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I was that was a good note to go out on. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was an amazing movie, and I bought the uh, vinyl. Yeah. Of the soundtrack, you were with me. Yeah. I think when I was ordering <laughs> it online, and so it was on New Year's Eve. Yes. And I think it was like everyone's leaving the party at our friend friend's place, and you're like, I'm ordering this. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I saw something. And I was like, Oh man, I really want that vinyl because the music is amazing, and they had a uh, two versions. Mm-hmm. One is a like pink and yellow vinyl, mm-hmm. and that was sold out. So I had to get the bl- the regular black vinyl. But the cover art is the bomb. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's got that old school, early '60s noir detective comic yeah. style. It, it art. looks like um, art from a Hammer movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I cannot wait to get it. It's on its way. 
Um, are you one of those people that when you order something and you get the notification that it shipped, like you immediately research the oh, tracking like, number? Every hour I'm checking. Okay. Yeah. I do, okay. I didn't know if that but was... But also I find it fascinating like where it goes. Oh, see, I don't do. I just go. When am I getting it? Yeah, no, I like. I like. It's such a nerdy thing. I like tracking where it goes, and then like saying it's like you know in, um, Bofreville, Illinois. I look up all the information on Bofreville, Illinois. Oh, you know? you know, there's a guy listening from that town, and he's like, yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. But yeah, then like I'll, I'll suddenly know all the information I know about that small town it's traveling through. That's cool. Yeah, I do the same thing, but with movies. Okay, like I'll uh, we'll watch a movie, me and Allie, mm-hmm. and. We'll watch it, and right at right when the credits roll, I will immediately go on uh, Wikipedia, look up who did it, what other movies yeah, they did. I do the same thing, and uh, unfortunately, because of you know uh, the holidays and stuff, we have not had enough time to watch movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. But we did watch a movie. I think it was called The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. Okay, yeah, no, that's um, that's uh, I Am Legend. Yes. Yeah, it's I the first not, movie based on I Am Legend. Yeah, I had no idea until after the movie, and I did my research. Yeah, it's actually the best version of I Am Legend that's been filmed. Uh, when I looked up, it did say it was the most accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was okay. And I, I don't know, just for some reason, Vincent Price's voice just soothes me. Yes. He. I, they, I wished that he would just record thoughts, <laughs> and I would listen to it. You can find a lot of his thoughts out there. Yeah. Have you ever listened to The Price of Fear? No. It is a horror anthology radio show he did for the BBC. Ooh. Where um, a lot of them in the beginning are him telling stories as if they happened to him. Yes. Right. And then I think later on it's just him like introducing stories. Oh, okay. But they are harrowing. I'm gonna I'm gonna say best voice in horror. Yes. Vincent Price. Yes. For sure. And, then and it, I think there's a thing another thing you can find out there. It might be on YouTube. But it's him doing an audio documentary on witchcraft. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I'll show Natalie that. She would like that. But uh, wasn't it weird? And um, I think months ago, you out of nowhere was like, we were talking about Vincent Price. Mm-hmm. And you said, can you guess where he's from based on his voice? Yes. And I did. Yes, you did. And I had no clue. Because <laughs> I was like, he was like, well, can you? I was like, well, I, I think it's Midwest. Maybe Missouri, and like you freaked out because <laughs> yeah. what was St. Louis? He's from St. Louis, but I think he was educated up in Boston. Oh, okay. so he has that kind of Boston Brahmin accent. Oh, okay, but yeah, I got—I don't know. Yeah, weird. Well, before we get into the episode, oh, can I, real quick, can I tell you how I started my 2022? Yeah, on a terrible note. Oh God, what happened? I woke up like 7 a.m. Uh-huh. In the New Year's Day. Right. I was like, I'm going to watch that movie, Don't Look Up. Okay. All right. Now, I say a terrible note because I'm not um, uh, I'm not criticizing the movie. Although it's not perfect, right? It's not a great movie just as and a And this movie. is on Netflix. It's on Netflix, yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be a satire and, a, and it's supposed to be a comedy. Mm-hmm. And most of the jokes aren't great. And because of the subject matter, it's like, this isn't funny. I mean, it's a commentary on media. And it's a commentary the on on disaster, I guess. disasters and our political reactions to them. Right. And so, while it's supposed to be joking, it's like, nope, this is real. This is not funny. Right. <laughs> and hmm. like, and so I watched it afterwards, and I was like, I enjoyed that. I have this horrible feeling inside of me now. <laughs> I, 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 it's nameless. I cannot figure out what this feeling is. Huh. And I could not shake the movie for a day after watching wow. it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. 
I think I, I maybe it's not the same thing, but I have that same not same, but that that feeling after watching a movie that goes too far. Maybe it's what mm. triggers. Yeah, for well, me, the closest thing I could compare that feeling to is how I felt after watching the day after the first time. And I've talked a lot to you about how like the effect that movie had on yeah. me, and this is kind of the same feeling. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. I have those. My favorite director is Park Chan Wook. Yeah. Who, uh, my favorite movie of all time is Old Boy mm-hmm. and um, Lady Vengeance and The Handmaiden. He does all those movies and they're amazing. And he always has those movies that make me feel <laughs> dirty just, for watching them. <laughs> dirty, but also like they're, it's up to your interpretation whether or not it's a happy ending mm-hmm. or not, especially Old Boy. And so it's like, uh, but you know, but then you're like, but I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. It was shot well and you know, it was written well, but yeah, damn, it's depressing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing that I have a controversial opinion. Okay. And I was going to rant to Natalie last night, but I thought I would wait (laughs) and have you suffer. I I feel like you're going to disagree. Larry, I already know I am. But I'm at a disadvantage because it's been nine months since I've watched the movie you're going to talk about, and you watched it last night. So well, it's not specific to the movie. Oh, it's not specific to the movie. It okay, just go, like go you ahead. were talking about. You were watching something. You got a feeling. Yeah. So last night, me and Natalie watched Scare Package, a horror anthology film. It's a horror anthology film, basically about the horror genre, spe- yes. specifically the '80s. Mm-hmm. Bruce. Listeners, I am not one to yuck on someone's yum. Okay. <laughs> what? I want you to repeat that phrase. I'm not one uh-huh. to yuck on someone's yum. You've never heard that? <laughs> never heard that before. <laughs> it's just another way of saying I'm not I'm not trying to shit on people's parades. Right. No, I got it. And I I for I definitely don't like gatekeepers. This is just my opinion, mine alone. Some scrub in Louisville, Kentucky, uh-huh. just his opinion. Mm-hmm. The 80s horror genre has received your love letter. It is delivered. (laughs) I checked the tracking. Get the fuck over it. (laughs) Let me explain. Okay, but here's the thing. I'm going to go ahead and alleviate your fears a bit. Not Uh alleviate your fears, but your concerns. Right. And hopefully tamp down some of your rage. (laughs) It's not rage. I just it's just a commentary that I'm that I'm noticing that it's over. The love of the 80s horror movie is over because we go through these 30-year cycles. Yeah, I and can see that. we are now in the 2020s. Yeah. And so the love affair of the 90s horror movie is about to begin. <sighs> and this Man. is evidenced by the fact that we have a new Scream coming out. Oh, yeah. Well, here's the thing, and there's two specific things that happened in, when we were watching Scare Package. Mm-hmm. First off, I mean, the movie is strictly based on the influence of 80s horror. Right. Right? There, but I am tired of indie filmmakers licking the boots of 80s horror. <laughs> Be, it, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm 37. Mm-hmm. Behind me is every Halloween, every right. Nightmare on Elm Street, every Friday 13th. I love them. We grew up on them. We talk about them all the time. I have how many horror Shirts from the 80s. Right. But it's My, time to move on. It's, enjoy them for what they are, 
But if you are a creator, if you're an artist mm-hmm. of any sort, do your own thing. Be yeah. influenced by those. But you're just, you're not creating anything. I'll make a perfect example. Okay. In Scare Package, uh, a gentleman is, the ma- one of the main characters, is in a car uh, being picked up by, uh, he was hitchhiking. Yeah. Got picked up by a car and... He, uh, the, the guy goes, Hey, you know, be careful out there. There's some weirdos. And so yeah. he drops him off. And before he leaves though, he lifts his convertibles top and the top of it has green and red stripes. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so to us and to it, viewers, you're like, it's Oh, Freddy. it's a Freddie reference. Yeah. Now I want to stop this movie and watch Nightmare on Elm Street. I read an article recently that was talking about how that is a weakness of the MCU movies. Really? With this constant like referencing and uh, Easter eggs and um, the in credit scene that shows you know, that previews kind of the next movie or teases the next movie. Yeah. You're constantly thinking about other movies other than the, instead of the movie you're watching. At the I moment. could agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And there was another scene where there was a character who was uh, holding a red balloon, mm-hmm. which is a reference to right. it. And now it just makes me want to watch. Pennywise. Right. And so I understand and feel the same that these creators, I feel the love that they have for these older movies and Mm -hmm. what has influenced them. But you're now of the age and of the financial security, obviously, because you're making a film, Mm -hmm. to where you can create something of your own to where someone else is influenced by it. Yeah. I'm just sick and tired of the, these winks and nods going up, up, did you get that? Instead of a good story. I think sometimes too, that kind of covers up the quality of the movie you're watching. Yeah. By it, it kind of borrows some of the quality of the movie that, that gets you thinking about. Right. Right. And so you're not thinking about how good or bad this movie is. You're associating how good or bad the movie they're referencing is and to this. And you kind of confuse the two. Yeah. Wow. I actually thought you would shit all over this idea. No, no, no. I, 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 I kind of agree with it. Yeah. I just, for, I don't know. I just, it's like, why? Like it's, it's overplayed mm-hmm. because the only thing that you're doing, you're either getting a cheap laugh. Right. With no comedic timing. It's mm-hmm. just, Oh, Hey, I remember that movie. Or, you are are not being original. Yeah. And, you know, I, I I think that you can take influences from what you love mm-hmm. without using the imagery of what you yeah, love. Yeah, or if even if you put it in there, it doesn't have to be so blatant. Right. Because I don't remember, and I'm sure there were, but I don't remember any overt Easter eggs or callbacks to other movies in, like, Last Night in Soho. No. I couldn't think of any. Or, you know, like I'm trying to think of other original movies as Hall of uh, the Past. I, I know uh, Edgar Wright's first major film, Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. It clearly has influence from the zombie genre, mm-hmm. but it does its own thing. Yeah. It doesn't have an overt reference. Like, it, there isn't a poster for the mall from Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. Well, there is a reference to Ash being out of work that day. <laughs> when was that? In the very beginning. Uh, when he's going to work, there's like, well, Ash called in. Oh, like, yeah. okay. Yeah, but, but it's, but so, it's, it's but so subtle. It's not a visual. Yeah, but it's also so subtle that you have seen the movie multiple times over the past 20 years, and you did not know right. that was in there. Right, Well, I don't know. That's just a little rant that I yeah. had where I'm just like, 
I don't know. We were sitting there watching the movie, and there is really great effects and comedic parts mm-hmm. in the movie, but it just gets bogged down by just like let's shove another '80s horror reference in there. Okay. And so, guys and gals and everybody in between, I checked the tracking number. Your love letter has been delivered to the '80s. They said thank you, and now create your own. I, I love how I'm. We're doing this, and we're talking about a show Tales from the, the '80s and '90s. Right? Hey, no, but we're in the '90s now, and so we're doing that love letter to the '90s. Right? Yeah. Um, what are we gonna do in the 2000s? Oh, 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 God! You know what we're gonna get next decade. Clarissa explains it all. No, that was. That was 90s. '90s. What we're gonna get next decade is the homage to torture porn that dominated the the 2000s. Yeah. Uh, All right. So you ready to get into the actual episode? Yeah. Supposed to cover here (laughs) 20 minutes later. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Hope you enjoyed that. Those two rants. So So this time, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was saying. So this is season two, episode four. Till death, yes, is what we're covering this week. Covering today, so I'll go ahead and read the description. Hmm. Written by Jerry Barcelon. Mm -hmm. Is that how you say that? Barcelon. She sounds like a a robot villain from Futurama. (laughs) Sorry, Maria Gatto, Jerry (laughs) Barcelon. Directed by Chris Wallace, starring D. W. Moffat, Pamela Gain, I think it's Gain, Aubrey Morris, and Janet Hubert. A white landowner in Haiti, Logan attempts to woo the beautiful yet abrasive and snobbish Margaret, but she rejects his advances. Going to a voodoo priestess that was once his lover, Logan obtains a love potion to make Margaret fall for him. He gives her too much, and she dies. However, the power of the potion brings Margaret back from the dead. Though at first elated, Logan soon finds Margaret continues to rot and spurns the zombie now obsessed with him. Logan commits suicide to escape, but awakens, resurrected by the voodoo priestess, and bound to Margaret forever. Is that, dun, is, that, is that about right? Is that about it, you yeah. think? Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Because I did not like this. I didn't it's, like this at it's all. It's fucking wacky, dude. The, the I think the reason I did not like it is because, and we'll get this moment when we, when we discuss him, is because the lead, D.W. Moffat, who played Logan, his acting is horrible. It's not good. It's fucking atrocious. I have something else. Uh, Aubrey Morris as Freddy, uh-huh. could not understand a fucking word he no, said. I, couldn't, I had trouble understanding both him and, and he Logan. Ha, he has this really low but fast British accent yeah. where he's like, oh, hello, my boy. Yeah. So let's talk about all the people involved with this real quick. Right. So uh, Jerry uh, Barcalon, Barcalon, however you pronounce her name, uh, nothing significant past this. Really? She was, I mean, like a couple of things. Right, but nothing like this. I think it was her sole writing job. Hmm. She was an associate producer on, or associate producer on the Street Fighter movie. And John she had Claude a, Van Damme. Yeah, and she had a small role as Blanca's date. That's it. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. And uh, it's directed by Chris Wallace. Now let's talk about this dude. Chris Wallace. Wallace. I think Wallace? that's pronounce it. Uh, I think yeah. So. Uh, let's talk about this dude real quick. Okay. This dude is responsible for a lot of the imagery you have in your head from movies growing up. Okay. Okay. Explain. Okay. So he was the director on this episode and he had very few directing credits. He's mostly known for his work in special effects. Oh, cool. Okay. He, um, he really helped define eighties genre, genre movies. 
Uh, he did uh, creature design and Return of the Jedi. Oh, cool. He did creature design and Humanoids of the Deep. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> yeah. Um, he did creature design in Arachnophobia. Ugh, I won't he did watch creature that. design on the fly. Love it. He directed the fly too. Electric Boogaloo. Yeah, Electric Boogaloo. He did the he created the gremlins. He created the look for the gremlins. Whoa. Yeah. And he did he was responsible for the Nazi face melting scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes. Yeah. That's who this dude is. Dude. So like you have seen this guy's work. You just don't know his name. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Like this is like and, he's oh, the biggest heavy hitter of everybody in the episode. And and he did special effects work for the previous episode or maybe two episodes ago with the switch. Oh, yeah. okay. That's awesome. Yeah. With the uh, prosthetic of the younger guy and the older <laughs> yes. guy. God. Yeah, he's responsible for that. Um, That's awesome. Then we have D.W. Moffat as Logan. Boo! And this guy is terrible. He 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 does this like fake whisper yell the entire time. Like he's like, oh my god, <laughs> she's dead. That's ah. that's about the level of his delivery. Um, great hair. Great hair. Uh, <laughs> So, I know this guy from something else. I didn't realize it until I was doing research that I know this guy from something else. Yeah. He's done bit parts and reoccurring roles mm-hmm. since the 80s, but he was on this show. He's one of the leads on this show called Switched at Birth. Never heard of it. Where he plays, it was one of those like ABC Family Channel movies mm. or TV shows, where he plays a U.S. senator who finds out that his daughter was switched at birth. His teenage oh. daughter was switched at birth. Oh, Right, and so it's it's these two families dealing with the fallout from that, right? Mm-hmm. But it turns out that his actual birth daughter, she got meningitis when she was a baby and lost her hearing. Okay. So there is this scene they played on the soup because it's ridiculous. After he has a meeting with her, it's late at night. He's walking away and he's realizing all of the things she misses because she's deaf. So he's hearing all these noises, and again, this is late at night. Okay. So it's like, you know, a train in the distance. For some reason, there's children laughing. In the middle of the night. In the middle of the night. And then an ice cream truck goes by in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's like, there's a serial killer in this show that right. no one ever addresses. And he's going after the kids <laughs> yeah. who are laughing. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we have uh, Pamela Gain. As, I think it's how you say her name. It's G-I-E-N. Gain? Yeah, Gain. Whatever. It doesn't matter because she has not been in anything else significant. Really? (laughs) Yeah. She's a bombshell. You think so? Oh, yeah. Aubrey Morris as uh, the Freddy. Freddy. He was Mr. Deltoid, the probation officer in A Clockwork Orange. I hate that movie. Uh, uh, He was in the, I think, one of the last Hammer Horror movies. Really? Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. Oh, that's on my stack. Which is like 73. One or 73, something like that. That's on my stack to watch. Um, He was in the movie Life Force. He made an appearance in like sci-fi shows like Alien Nation or Babylon 5. Uh, and uh, I think he was in an episode of It's Always Sunny. Really? Right before he died in 2015. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm trying to remember which one. Hmm. But, uh, I'll he, have to look it up. Oh, I think he's in The Wicker Man, too. He was a gravedigger in The Wicker, Wicker Man. Oh, cool. But most of his career was spent on the stage in London, and he was called by Jeremy Brett. Do you know Jeremy Brett? I don't think so. Okay. Jeremy Brett is Sherlock Holmes. 
Oh. There was a 1980s series uh, made by Granada Television in Britain where he played Sherlock Holmes. He's Sherlock Holmes. Forget Robert Downey Jr. Forget Benedict Cumberbatch. Forget anyone. Basil Rathbone. Uh, I'm sorry, Christopher Lee or Peter Cushing. <laughs> this dude is Sherlock Holmes. He yeah. is the best Sherlock Holmes there has ever been. Wow. Absolutely. Like, you can find the episodes on YouTube, like, and you will, like, you, no one will ever compare to Jeremy Brett. Oh, Seriously. Wow. But, uh, like, he was a prominent actor on stage in, in uh, Britain, and he said Aubrey Morris was the finest small part actor in London. Huh. So, That's if awesome. Jeremy Brett says that about you, it's a high compliment. Right. Right. Wow. Uh, Janet Hubert. You know her, too. It's, she may have been a significant part of your childhood. She plays Psyche. She plays Psyche, the voodoo priestess. Yes. She was the original Aunt Vivian in Fresh Prince. No. Yes. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> they, but they recasted her. They did. I remember that they did. Mm-hmm. I just didn't know who it was. Yeah. I don't know who they replaced. What the, the name of the woman they replaced. She's the OG. Was. What's that? She's the OG. She's, yeah, she's the OG Aunt Viv. That's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. And she's, she's really great. She's good. In this episode. Yeah. She's wonderful. Yeah, so you want to get into the breakdown. <sighs> I mean, this one's okay, but <laughs> it's all right. The best way I can explain it. I will it, say one thing, though. I will say one thing. The special effects in this are superb. Dope. They are great. If if you just want to shut your brain off and watch some melt stuff, yes. do it. Yes. Um, I will say that I think right after this, me and Natalie were talking, and I said, if the Crypt Keeper ever wrote an episode, it would be this. Because it's just fucking insane. It's just ridiculous. Let's get into it. Yeah, let's go. Season 2, Episode 4, Till Death, which aired April 24th, 1990. All right. The Crypt Keeper opens, and this dude is chilling with his feet up. He's wearing shades. And I think, I don't know, but this may be the first time we see the Crypt Keeper's feet. <laughs> in which they're be. comically large. Yes. It yes, is they hilarious. Because they are like just a person's feet, I think. Right. Yeah. He's, it's he's like so, a puppeteer's feet up so on the thing. Cute. He looks like, uh, what's the name of Megadeth's uh, mascot? Vic <laughs> Rattlehead with the sunglasses on. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I can see that. And so he's chilling. He's got his shades. And he says, are you ready for a tropical tale of love, lust, greed, ghouls, and my personal favorite, death? I added that. He doesn't say it like that, though. Well, not all of us are as cool as the Keeper. He says that this is a tale of putrefaction in paradise. I'm sure you'll find it appealing. Ah. Oh, Crypt Keeper. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> so the episode opens with a voodoo rit- ritual uh, in which there's dancing, and it looks just like a jungle scene, really. Yes. Just a typical. It's a stereotypical jungle. voodoo scene. Yes. And we're going to talk about that later on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> so opens to a ritual. Dance- people are dancing of a, a tribe. A shaman is holding a skull and snakes and a chicken next to a fire. A woman comes out of a tent wearing all white with a white veil. And this is Psyche, Mm. the voodoo priestess. She lifts her white veil and she's holding a photo of Logan. Logan has slick back hair and he looks like a used car salesman. Yes. The shaman lifts his machete and slices the chicken, splattering blood all over the photo. The woman's eyes grow large as she puts the bloodstained photo into the fire. Dun, dun, dun. Fade to black. Yeah. Next scene, we see Logan, who is in an all-white suit 
making a drink at a swanky party. It looks like it like it's at his house, I'm assuming. Yes. Yeah, yeah he I has mean, like a plantation. His property. Yeah. He has a he, plantation in Haiti. Yes. 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 And as he's making a drink, his old friend Freddie comes and wa- uh, walks up to him and they toast their glasses. Freddie says, "To the future, partner." He pulls out documents from his coat and says, the escrow papers directly from the executor of the Fitzgerald estate is in your young hands. Logan says, I can already see the fabulous Hotel Calypso rising from the land already. Freddie replies, pity that the widow Fitzgerald will miss the grand opening. Logan begins to smile and says, like you missed the house call when she went into cardiac arrest? Ooh. Ooh. Ooh, there was murder in Murder. And Freddie says, how unfortunate. <laughs> so the, the, they're already laying out that these two guys are con men. Yes. Like they're murderers and yes. they're trying to basically get rich mm-hmm. women's money. So, and without saying it, that Freddie is a doctor of some sort. Yes. Yes. And I guess Logan is the handsome guy who... Yeah, I guess. Seduces them, I guess. Yeah. He looks like a doofus, but he, I don't know. he is a doofus. Yes, he yeah. is an idiot. And so at the same time, Logan notices, I even wrote in my notes, a bombshell <laughs> at the bar. Logan says, Freddie, who is that incredible creature? Freddie says, That is Margaret Richardson. She's one of the London Richardsons. And I even wrote, Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> In my notes, I said, in fast British gravel accent. <laughs> he literally got, like, I know that he says, she's one of the London Richardsons. But uh, if you li- if you actually watch yeah. the episode, he goes, she's one of the <laughs> She's one of the Richard- London Richardsons. Yeah, he's yeah. really hard to understand. So I'm, I'm butchering all the Freddy's lines. That's okay. And so Logan says, she needs someone to show her around this island. Introduce me. They uh, They walk up to Margaret at the bar. Margaret says... Freddie, it's been so long. Thank you for the invitation. Freddie kisses her hand, and then he tries to kiss her cheek, in which she says, mind the hair. It's already suffering from this humidity. Freddie starts to laugh and says, Margaret, let me introduce our host, Mr. Logan Andrews. Margaret has just arrived from England. Logan says, welcome to our island paradise. And Margaret says, paradise? Hardly. I forgot how hot and humid it gets down here. The food is so spicy. And then she immediately looks around like a person who's about to say a joke they should not say. She's about to say something racist. Right. Yes. She goes, the food here is spicy. And then she looks around and says, an ethnic. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Hey, guess what? You're in Haiti, you asshole. Right. (laughs) Right. Margaret says, the trip was a nightmare. They have the nerve to call the service first class. They should call it steerage, in which I looked that up. And steerage, yeah. S-T-E-E-R-A-G-E, mm-hmm. is a part of a ship that passengers who have the cheapest seats and tickets are housed. Yes. Did not know that. Now we know. Now you know. Now we know. Logan whispers to Freddy, I thought you said she was a little high strung. She's a bitch on wheels. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden... A uh, farmhand, uh, just a yeah, just work, like, a, a work on the plantation. Yeah, yeah, a worker uh, bursts into the party and finds Logan. He says, "Boss, come quick! There's been a terrible accident." Logan motions him away, and the man bows and leaves. Logan says to Margaret, "Don't go away." Margaret says, 
where will I go in this godforsaken place? She's a bitch. Yeah. I mean, he's an asshole, too. I mean, none of these are good people. He's he's actually horrible, and we'll get into how terrible this guy is in a minute. Yes. The next scene, it shows the ground bubbling. It's, it's clearly quicksand. Mm-hmm. And the servant says, before we knew it, quicksand smothered him up, and uh, implying that it has already killed a worker, a fellow worker. Yeah. And he says, poor Charlie, I'm going to miss him. Logan says, tomorrow you and the men start on the other end of the island. The servant says... That's what I've been trying to tell you. All the land is swamp and is full of quicksand. And Logan says, then sink pylons. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Now, I looked it up. Pylons is is like strips on an electrical tower. Yeah. And that's what you need in uh, StarCraft to build more energy for the uh, (laughs) fucking whatever those. I'm going to cut that out. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, he says, I guess he's saying sink pylons isn't like. Just sink stuff to where it stops it up. Yeah, I don't think that's how that works in quicksand. I don't know how it actually works. No, I don't know. After we record this, I'm going to look up quicksand. Sure, and figure it out. Servant says we can't. Logan grabs the servant by the shirt and says, "I don't care what it takes. Just make it work." So, question is, mm-hmm. they just found out all the land is quicksand and it's mm-hmm. killed a worker. Yes, is this the doing of Psyche? Because she's doing could that be. ritual in the beginning. It could be. Yeah. It could be. Servant says, shake me all you want, but I'm being straight with you. If you build it here, it'll take more money than God. Logan, he throws his hat and storms away as the hat sinks into the quicksand. Logan is about to go back to the party when Freddy stops him. Freddy says, you look like you lost your best friend if you had one. (laughs) Logan says, not now, Freddy. The land is a swamp. It'll cost me millions to build it. I'm ruined. The two men stare at Margaret. Freddie says, you said she's a bitch on wheels. Logan says, she's a Bugatti with, uh, with a four on the floor and four million in the bank. Okay. I guess that's a, I mean. That's a saying, I guess. I guess. Yeah. You don't want to yuck on his yum. <sighs> okay. <laughs> Freddie says, I always said you would do whatever it takes. Logan walks up to Margaret, and Logan says, Miss Richardson, well, he said Miss Robertson. Yes. Wasn't it? Yes. And she goes, that's Richardson. Funny how everyone has trouble remembering my name. And Logan says, perhaps I've been spending my energy remembering your face. Oh. Uh, I mean. I always hate that trope in movies with, like, you know, the girl's like, the night's beautiful. And the dude's like, you are. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Margaret says, shouldn't you be saving yourself for more serious pursuits? Logan says, I know you don't like this place, but it does have its compensations. Moonlit beaches, surf, tropical beaches. Margaret says, and you. Exploitable workers. A lot, yeah. Yeah, he's leaving out some. And she goes, (laughs) and you. (laughs) And he goes, yes, and me. Hey. And uh, Margaret says, a bullish young hustler. Good night, Mr. Andrews. And bullish is someone who hopes that something would eventually be successful. Huh. You've learned two words today. I never today. knew that word before. Bullish. I thought she said bullish. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Right. But now bullish. I, 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 I was wrong. Yes, you are a bullish young hustler. Huh. Good night, Mr. Andrews. That doesn't sound like an insult. Well, she says hustler. Yeah. 
but like bullish. Yeah, like, bull, I, can't, I, can't, I will bullish? not be able to say that around I my don't Kentucky know. tongue. Right. You really don't want him bullish, man? Yeah. Anyway, continue. All right, so it's the next day, and the voodoo woman, who is the same woman from the beginning in the veil, mm-hmm. Psyche opens a door and sees Logan. Psyche says, what do you want? Logan replies, can I see an old friend? Psyche says, don't play with me. Our, quote, friendship was over when your fancy friends didn't didn't approve of you bringing dark meat to the barbecue. Logan says, touche, Psyche. I'll cut to the chase. Which isn't going very well. A young lady doesn't find me as charming as you once did. Which, you know... That, that that speaks to the attitude of the people, the the upper class on the island, because they're on a black island. Not island, but they're in a black country. Right. Right. Haiti was born from a slave revolt. Yes. But the people there to exploit the country don't want to deal with the people or don't want to be around the people that it's live there. The that's their country. That's their country. Yeah. Right. Psyche start, uh, scoffs, and Logan says, I was thinking you could do something. Strictly business. Psyche says, okay. She pulls a bottle from behind some beaded curtains and says, this is what you need. One drop, she'll be your wife. Two, she'll be yours for life. She slips it into his pocket and aggressively kisses him. Yes. Like, she is on it. Yes. Like, rawr. And he pushes her away wiping his lips and leaves. The next scene, Logan is showing blueprints and concept drawings of this hotel to Margaret. Uh, I'm assuming he's trying to yeah, convince her convince her to become an investor. Mm-hmm. So he technically is doing it the right way first. At first, yes. At, yes, and then he's a piece of shit. Yes. So I'm glad we're on the same page here. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so Logan says, what do you think? Margaret says, I'm sure the potential is here. But as my father used to say, the first three rules of real estate is location, location, location. This location is disgusting, disgusting, disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that is a good line. That is good. Yeah. This is a bad risk. And you, Mr. Andrews, are bad news. Very sly. Her her line's very slick. Logan says, sorry you feel that way because you left the impression on me last night and everyone at the party. He turns to pour some drinks. And Margaret says, if that's the creme de la creme of the island society, give me skimmed milk. Okay. <laughs> Logan says. Listen, goes, don't right. act arrogant, you all. You all are lucky you're not dead. <laughs> right. Right. Logan says, how about something stronger? And he puts one drop into her drink. Of the oh, okay. So, hey, listeners, don't do this. Don't do it. Don't do this. I know it's a love potion. It seems cute, but this is no different than spiking a woman's drink. It is spiking a woman's drink. It is spiking. Yes, exactly. It is spiking a woman's drink. Guess what, Logan? You're now a rapist. Yes. (laughs) I thought you were yelling at me. Like I was like, oh, good. All right. um, Logan puts one drop into her drink, like I said, and Margaret says, it's so goddamn hot in here. Logan gives her the drink, and they toast. Logan says, drink. You'll feel better. Margaret says, not until I'm out of this hellhole she drinks. She makes a very confused face, like bitter beer face. She can tell there's something in it. Yeah. And she starts breathing heavily. She stands up and she goes, did it just get hotter in here? 
Ugh. Logan says yes, and it'll get even hotter. Oh, gross, <laughs> Logan, gross. Dude. They kiss, and she smacks him. <laughs> she says, over my dead body, good night, Logan, and good riddance. She walks away. <laughs> it's just hilarious. We're just like, pop, <laughs> and she's gone. All right, that night, as Logan lays in bed, Margaret, wearing a very sexy outfit, and a completely different hairstyle. Yeah. She got her hair done within the net, like two hours. Yeah, she did her hair before she came over. Wow. Yeah. That's she's drugged. That she's drugged to be able to fix her hair. Yeah, so then yeah. the side effect it immediately just gives you a different hairstyle yeah. completely. Yeah, it's pretty intense. So she opens the door and chimes and piano music play. <laughs> and it was like there's this blue filter over it, and I think yeah. they, they smeared Vaseline on the lens because it's really hazy. I, I know that foggy. they were trying to make it look sexy, but in the whole time I'm watching this, I'm like, he drugged her yes. to do this. Yeah. <laughs> this is not okay. This is not okay. We're seeing it in our 2022 eyes. Right. Right. Even though we're seeing it with 2022 eyes, it was never okay. Right. It was never okay. Right. I guess Times just... may have been quote-unquote different, doesn't make it okay. Right. So as, as she walks in, Logan wakes up and notices her. He goes, Margaret, is that you? And she goes, uh-huh. Sounding possessed, yeah. I would say, or euphoric, mm-hmm. I guess the best way to explain it. I think she is doing her best to sound sexy, and it's not coming across that way. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that for sure. Logan says, what are you doing here? Acting coy. Fucking asshole. And she goes, I couldn't stay away. I'm totally surprised with this turn of events. Wow. How could this have happened? <laughs> it should be like an automated message. Like he does it to every woman. He's like, oh my God, how could you be here? Margaret. <laughs> and she goes, he goes, are you feeling all right? And I wrote in my notes, you yellow dog. <laughs> Logan, you yellow, yellow dog. Margaret says, I'm fine, but don't call me Margaret. Call me Maggie. She slides into bed. She's she says it like she's thirsty. Now I'm not talking about like the you know the normal like you know the the slang now, but like she needs water. She needs water desperately. Yes. 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 Call me Maggie. (laughs) She slides into bed. Logan says, "Can I get you anything?" She goes, "Uh huh, you." And she gets on top, baby. (laughs) Hey, 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 we can't do that (laughs) because of what's happening here. That's true. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. And tribal drums rumble as the scene fades to black. Yeah. So uh, the tribal drums. technically rape. It's it's not technically rape. It is rape. Yeah. The tribal drums are an interesting choice here. Well, I'm assuming that that since he was using some sort of voodoo magic. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's kind of indicative of like. They have lost their um, "quote unquote" civilized selves, oh, and they're becoming animalistic. Animalistic, like the voodoo practitioners are. Wow. Well, as the voodoo practitioners are depicted, I should say. Yes. Yes, for sure. The next morning, at Psyche's hut, Psyche is lighting candles and performing a ritual with two white dolls and is chanting. The next scene. Champagne is being delivered to Logan and Maggie in bed. So it, it, it really makes me wonder how in control of their facilities that Maggie, God, Margaret, and Logan are in this scene. Yeah. Like, did... Well, see, she has two dolls. So yeah. is she in control of Logan from the beginning? 
I think she's manipulating events. Oh yeah, definitely for sure, for sure. But like, scorn lover. Yeah, she's a scorn lover. I don't. Well, we already know that Margaret is not completely, completely in control. Right. Oh, she's Margaret's gone. Yeah, she's yeah, been yeah. Ensorcelled. I'm just, uh, but I just don't know about Logan. Logan. Yeah, like I don't think what? He ha- is. Like what happens next? Did he mean to do that, or is he being influenced I, by the I evil voodoo? I don't think that he is. I just think that Psyche is manipulating the situation, knowing how much of a piece of shit Logan is. Yeah, and giving him the opportunity to be a piece of shit so she can trap him. Okay. I don't think he's under control okay. right now. He he's just being played like a fiddle. Right. That's what I, that's right. how I interpret it. So, uh, champagne gets delivered to Logan and Maggie. Actually, I think I wrote Maggie. They're the asleep. The entire in... rest of the episode. Oh, okay. They're actually asleep in bed. It's like they just finished doing it, or they just woke up in the morning, and then suddenly there's a dude with champagne. Yeah, like, hey, I'm here. <laughs> it's like, I know, I know what Mr. Logan needs right now. I know what happened there last <laughs> night. Champagne. Yeah. The servant puts down the champagne and leaves. Margaret says, "I don't like." The looks of that man, you'll have to find a better class of servant. We know what she means. We know exactly what she means. She doesn't like the fact that he's Haitian. He's She's under the spell, though. Yeah, she's well, like the spell just makes her fall in love with. Oh, so you think Logan. it's still. It, she's her. still like still the racist, arrogant a piece, piece of, of shit. shit. Yeah. yeah. We may have to need a content warning at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. If you want to, re- if you want to record that later. Yeah. Because there's few triggers in this. I didn't even realize, honestly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, she says that. And Logan says, his family has worked here for generations. Where would he go? Margaret says, somewhere with lower standards, I imagined. Oh, bitch. And he goes, care for champagne? Logan leans over and pours seven to eight drops into her glass. Man, there is no need for it. None. None. You got it. He, yeah. He's like, she said, one will make her your wife. One will get her for life. Well, I'm assuming if she's your wife, and this is, it seems like the 1950s. Does it seem that way to you? No, no, it's the 30s. Okay. Uh, uh, I will tell you in a moment. Okay. Um, She's not divorcing him if it's the 1930s. Right. Right. No, they're, they're, she's stuck. She, she's being manipulated to be in love with him. But I mean, I don't, I, I honestly don't know why he put more drops yeah. into her drink. Yeah. I have no clue. There's no reason for it. Right. Fucking idiot. Uh, Other than he's a dickhole. And rapist. Yeah. And so he, uh, there at this point, there's a shot of Psyche performing a ritual. So is she controlling him to do that? Because she has two dolls. That's what I was talking about earlier. Like, I I don't think they conveyed that well. No. I don't know. But anyway, Maggie holding the glass says, to her undying love. So before she takes that drink, she says undying love. Yes. So she's in it to win it. Yeah. Manipulated though, but you know, they toast, they laugh, they drink. Maggie starts to moan. She says, "Did it just get hot in here?" Uh. <laughs> Second time is not as good. And she gets on top of Logan, and Logan chuckles for some reason. Back into the hut with Psyche doing a ritual. Um, it, like this scene shows them like about to do it again, but then goes back to Psyche performing this yeah. ritual. So Maggie starts. Uh, convulsing out of nowhere and starts chanting the same words as Psyche. So it keeps going back and forth between this, ins- like what's going on in Psyche, because mm-hmm. obviously Psyche is controlling this, yeah. this whole thing. And she starts convulsing, and Logan gets to Freddy, the doctor, his friend and cohort. Logan says, You got enough drugs in that bag to start a pharmacy. Do something. Can't let her go like the widow Fitzgerald. 
Freddy says, cut your tongue or I'll do it again. Um, Maggie still is still convulsing and doing everything I wrote. She's doing everything possibly to show her boobs without a nipple. Yes. Like, yeah. whoa. Like this. She's wearing one of his night shirts. Yes. And it's like, revealing. you know what? I'm not going to say it because what the situation is, I can't like. It's revealing. I, I, I don't think it should be eroticized. No, 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 no. Yeah. It's, but it's, it's very, very revealing. revealing right? Yeah. And so Freddie says, I don't know what's what could be wrong. Has she had anything unusual recently? <laughs> and he's yeah. like, nope. Right. He pulls his Logan, collar. Logan says, not that I can think of. And Maggie lunges at Logan and frantically says, I'll always love you forever and ever. She lays down and Freddie says, grabs her by the, I think he checks her pulse and she goes, yeah. he's, she's gone. She's dead. The next scene is her funeral and they lower the casket into the ground. The priest says, God's gift is eternal life. Amen. I don't know. Okay. And Logan says, amen. Thanks for that yeah. short, terrible sermon. Right, right. <laughs> Minister. And so, um, oh, actually, I will tell you right now, because the grave actually says Margaret Richardson, 1920 to 1948. Okay. It's 1948. Ooh, that is an interesting year Oh, to put on there. Oh, all right. So uh, at uh, the next scene after the burial is at Psyche's hut. Psyche says, I kept my end of the bargain. Did you keep yours? And my thing in my head was, um, what was his end of the bargain? Yeah. Yeah. Like, he said I needed help. She goes, she goes, here you go. Yeah. There's what bargain? I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know what bargain there was. Unless, unless she's talking about how many drops to put in the thing. Well, yeah, but there was nothing in it for her. Yeah. I don't know. And so the uh, Logan pushes her against the wall and he starts to choke her. He says, Margaret is dead. You killed her. She says, me? I only made it. You gave it to her. He chokes her some more. Which, the, like, from what we saw in the scene beforehand, it's confusing. Yes. And she may have killed her. We don't know because of how no. muddled the scene is. Right, right. So he chokes her some more and he's about to kill her and stops. And he says, you're not worth going to prison for, my love. He leaves. And Psyche says, where you're going is far worse. Far worse. Aha. Yeah. The plan is coming to fruition. Logan shows up at Maggie's grave drunk. And it says 1920 to 1948. Logan says, you were the biggest fish a guy like me could ever hope to land. And my land is swamp. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> And he, hey, there's fish in swamps. This is the line of the episode. <laughs> I can't get through it. He says, Logan says, you were the biggest fish a guy like me could ever hope to land. And my land is swamp. And my ass is grass. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the line of the episode. It's so fucking goofy. It's fucking goofy. So out of nowhere, Margaret's hand shoots up from the grave and she tries to kiss him. She's alive. Whoa. Whoa! Didn't see that coming. Right. He's shocked, and she starts laughing. Logan, in a hilarious tone, says, Jesus Christ! <laughs> Jesus Christ! Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> right, that's it. Maggie says, where am I? Logan says, Freddie pronounced you, you, you were dead. We had a funeral. And she goes, dead? Maggie looks at her hand. She goes, damn. I broke a nail. 
And Logan says, forget your nails. You're alive. <laughs> this is when it gets... It, the first half is disturbing. The second half is comedic. Yeah. Genius. I like the second half way more, for sure. Just because of the special effects. And the, I think. And the comedy. Like, it's just, it it's just slapstick. Felt, it fell flat for me in the comedy. But really? The special effects are pretty. Oh, yeah, for sure. Margaret says, I never thought I'd see you again, kiss you again, make love to you again. They start to make out on top of her grave. Ugh. You know what? Hey, if I dug my way out of my own grave. You could do whatever the fuck you yeah, want. Yeah, I, I would do it on top of the, the pile of dirt. Yeah. Huh. I okay. could literally say, fuck you to death. I saw my own grave and fucked it. <laughs> <laughs> so now we go back to Psyche. She's messing with the white dolls from the ritual from earlier. And she says, Logan, you're going to make a fine groom. The doll has something sticking out of its heart, like a needle. Mm-hmm. The next morning, Maggie snatches, scratches at her cheek that has become really flaky. It just looks like dry skin. Yeah. Like, it doesn't look like anything bad. Uh, as she is plating breakfast, Logan walks in. Margaret says, I hope you like. I've been up since the crack of dawn cooking for my little snookum <laughs> <laughs> this this episode's gross on like eight levels. Yeah. And this is one of the weaker levels, but still gross. <laughs> Logan says, it smells like something died in here. Oh. Well, it did. And Margaret says, I don't smell anything. Logan says, are you all right? You look a little off. And he's looking right at her cheek that's mm-hmm. flaking. She says, don't be silly, darling. I feel energized, invigorated, positively reborn. Now... Eat every last plate. You'll need your strength if you're going to make love to me five times. What? Make love to me five times? I mean, all together, that's a really difficult 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Logan says, did you really make all of this food? She goes, yes. And if you like all this, you're going to love dessert. Ta-da! And she leaves. Logan smells. He starts sniffing as she leaves, and he looks really confused. Next scene is with Logan with Dr. Freddy. He comes to visit. Freddy laughs and goes, You look awfully chipper for someone who just buried the love of his life. Logan says, You just made the biggest colossal mistake of your medical career. And a really good line. Freddy says, I did that in England. Why do you think I'm here? (laughs) (laughs) So good. Logan says, Logan says, don't know how you blew this, but she's alive. Logan uh, uh, stares at Freddie as he laughs. He goes, impossible. I know a corpse when I see one. She is completely pickled. I had her embalmed. Logan says, that's impossible. And Freddie says, no, that's the law. You have to embalm a corpse. <laughs> Margaret shows up behind. I don't think that you actually have to do that. Is it? Yeah, I don't think you have to embalm a corpse. It's only for if you're going to display the corpse, at like oh. a funeral. Well, what about Haitian law in 1948? Well, I don't know about Haitian law in 1948. Got him. <laughs> I don't know. You're probably, yeah, I mean, shit, 1948. I mean, did they, when did it, embalming become a thing? Well, embalming's been a thing since ancient egypt right but like you know if you're going to say um 
uh, burn their corpse on the pyre, you don't need to involve them. Right. If right. you're going to cremate a corpse, you don't need to involve them. If you're going to bury them right away, you don't need to involve them. But it's only if you're going to display them, I think you right. actually you have to involve hmm, them. Wow. And then even then, I don't think you have to involve them. Oh. Well, yeah. Damn. It's you so, might want to involve them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And so Margaret shows up with an even more decayed face and is right behind Freddie in a red dress. This time she's like, she's a corpse. Mm-hmm. Right. Logan looks shocked and Maggie uses a machete and hacks and decapitates Freddie. And his head goes rolling across the table. Yes. His head rolls off the table. Maggie smiles. She looks at her hand and she says, damn. There goes another nail. She is decaying fast at this point. Like it's been twenty four hours, fast. and she looks like she's been dead for weeks. Yes, and so Margaret says, "Damn, I've broken another nail." Logan looks shocked, and Margaret said, "Is something wrong, Pumpkin?" And he goes, "Get away from me!" She goes, "Get away from me!" And she's like, "Give your baby Wabe a kiss, <laughs> your baby." Logan to himself remembers Psyche's words: "One drop." She'll be your wife. Give her two. She'll be yours for life. In which he like he's thinking of this, and he goes, "Oh my god!" Yeah. <laughs> he starts to run into. Uh, he goes to a cabinet in the other room, and he grabs a gun. Okay, think about this. This is this guy is terrible, right? Oh yeah, his delivery is fucking terrible. Yeah. How bad. many bad people did they have to go through in casting to get to him? The I would say, with all due respect. The um the actress who plays Psyche uh-huh. is the gold medal winner. Yeah, she's the best actor in this episode right. for sure. And it sucks because she only has a few lines, mm-hmm. but she's great. But yeah, everybody else is just poo poo. Yep. So he points the gun at Margaret and he goes, "Stay back, Margaret. You're dead, dead, <laughs> dead. dead." Yeah, you do it way better than me. Uh, Margaret says, "Sticks and stones may break my bones." And then Logan shoots her in the torso six times. <laughs> it's just really funny where he's like, she's like, sticks and stones may break my bones. And he's like, bam, 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 bam. and she falls down. Logan says, oh, my God, I've killed her. Wait, I can't have killed her. She's already dead. <laughs> she rises from the floor and he goes and Margaret says, how could you? I just bought this dress. She walks towards him and he screams and he runs out the door into the swamp with a lamp. He falls and hurts his leg in which is very typical. You're running from the, yeah, you know, whatever fear or the evil thing, but you trip. Mm-hmm. Now he trips, he hurts his leg. He gets up, but he's limping. She is right behind him. She stops to, uh, he stops to look at her. And at this point, the amount of decay between her getting shot yeah. and three minutes later when they meet in the swamp, it's like three years yeah. of decay. Yeah. Like she went from like skin melting to like almost a full skeleton mm-hmm. with some muscle. Yeah. It's really weird. I don't know. Just I just thought that was a thing. That, I don't know. that I even wrote that was fast lol. Yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. And so uh, he's stepping away from her, but he steps into the quicksand from the beginning of the episode. She stares as he comically sinks with his hands out in the air, uh-huh. making a Y with his body. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Burr! he's like spread eagle as he's going down. Yeah. He's like, what's the fastest way for you to sink? Do it. <laughs> and she grabs his hand and pulls him up. You know, actually, at this point when he was sinking, I was like, thank God this episode is over. <laughs> right. And right. it wasn't. It's not. Not by a long shot, buddy. 
She grabs his hand and pulls him up, but he and he kicks her away as he falls onto the safe ground, and she lands on the lamp, catching herself on fire. She stands up in flames, which, by the way, I want to point out, is clearly someone in a mask in a fire seat. Yeah. Clearly. And Margaret says, take me. I'm burning with desire. <laughs> See, you say you hate the comedic things, but you're laughing. I am laughing, yeah. So, yeah. Just, Despite I, myself, I am laughing. <laughs> Logan pushes her into the quicksand with a log. She sinks, and the fire goes out. <laughs> Logan says, so much for burning desire. Womp, womp, womp. He gets back to the house, and he starts to make himself a drink, and he sits on the floor. Logan says, as he's, he's making a toast, he goes, To Margaret, may she rest in peace. I thought I'd never get over her death. In fact, I didn't think she'd get over it either. <laughs> uh, all of a sudden, there's you know, a... Actually, you know what? You know why I'm laughing? Hmm. Your delivery is better. Oh, thank you. He's like, I didn't think I'd get over her death. I didn't think she would either. Right, yeah, yeah, he does that. Yeah. You, Bruce? Yes. You? Uh-huh. Me. Yes. We recreate this <laughs> as an audio play. You'll be Margaret. Oh, actually, there's a podcast out there that does recreate old EC comics through as radio plays. Mm. Yeah. Let's check that out, people. Check that out. I think it'd be great. All of a sudden, there's a tap on the window. He slowly turns. It's Margaret. But now she's almost entirely skeleton, and she's burnt, and she is just unrecognizable. Mm-hmm. And she bursts through the window. He crawls and he yells, no. And she goes, I'm back. <laughs> Logan finds Dr. Freddy's medicine bag. The one that he mentioned yeah. earlier is like a pharmacy. And he sees that there's poison pills and uh, liquid poison. And he takes all of them. And it is hilarious. <laughs> He's just taking all these drugs. And out of nowhere. I love how quickly he just gave up. Oh, yeah. He's like, ah, fuck it. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> Which, it's funny that you mentioned that. I like when that ha- It's very rare in movies and TV when a character just gives up. My favorite, this is, re- you can edit this out, is in Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yeah. One of the villains, uh, once he knows that they've lost, he goes, fuck, and he shoots himself in the head. <laughs> like, it, it's amazing. Like, I'm like, dude, that's amazing because his character was very yeah. much like black and white, you know, no moral judgment, this mm-hmm. or that kind of a character for like five seasons. And then once the moment he realizes they've lost, he gave up. And I was like, tight. Yeah. That, that happens in um, that was in the Mandalorian too. Moff Gideon tries that. Oh, really? Once he realizes that he's been caught, he try he grabs a gun and tries to shoot himself and they stop oh, him. Yeah. That's cool. And so the it's a hilarious reaction from Margaret. And she puts her hand, her skeletal hand, to her mouth like she's shocked. Like, oh! <laughs> Which I, I'm hoping to find a picture of it to put it for our social media. Okay. Because her reaction to him killing himself is just like, it's the skeleton she's going... She's shocked. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh my god. And she's a skeleton. It's hilarious. He starts convulsing. He's dead. The next scene is a voodoo ritual takes place outside Psyche's hut. Inside the hut, Psyche... Wakes a bound Logan. Yes. He's alive. Logan says, I thought I was. And Psyche says, you were. But you think you can take it the easy way out? I always keep my promises. There's someone dying to see you. In walks Maggie holding Freddy's head, which is alive. Yeah. So she brought Freddy's head back from the dead. Freddy says, 
Always said you'd get ahead, Logan. How's that joke work, Freddy? How's that work? You're the head. You're the head. You got a head. You got a head. Or actually, Maggie has a head. Yeah, fucking dummies. Psyche says, like I said, she'll be yours for life. And then Maggie says, and death. She goes in for a kiss as he screams. Uh, and you could definitely tell you know, Maggie, the skeletal yeah. face of Maggie, is someone wearing a skeletal mask. Because you see lips behind the teeth. <laughs> yeah, but the, the I, I think the tongue effect in that skeletal mouth, because there's still a tongue, yes. it's like this huge, oh, yeah. gory, gross-looking thing that's like kind of slithering around in their mouth. It's yes. so good. It is really good. It is really good. Uh, she goes in to kiss him as he screams, and we fade to black. The Crypt Keeper says, Psyche could use black magic on me anytime she wants. What about Maggie? Girls like her are hard to dig up. <laughs> Logan got himself a zombie. Now uh, I'll have one too, in which he grabs uh, a drink. the drink called a zombie, yeah. uh, which is uh, it, it coconut. And what's really funny is uh, I have the recipe for oh. a zombie. I, I looked it up. Like I said, I do my post. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Viewing uh, Wikipedia searches. What is the Ryan Loxton recipe for a zombie? Uh, first off, it was popularized in the 1939 World's Fair. Oh. Hmm. As a zombie uh, drink, it was called zombie. It's a tiki cocktail. You need apricot brandy, dark rum, golden rum, and lime juice. Okay. There you go. Cool. All right. That's I don't know. Simple. Just more information that you yeah. don't need. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the episode. Boo. <laughs> it's the first half is fucked up. Yeah. The second half is so comically outrageous that you have to laugh. Like it's this corpse is like going after to to kill and to she's a zombie and all she cares about is her nail. She wants the love on him. She till death. Yeah. Um but she all she cares about is her nails. Yeah. Like, but hey. you know ultimately it doesn't make much sense because like, okay, was it the potion that brought her back? Was it Psyche who brought her back? With the dolls. With the dolls? Like, yeah. was it Psyche? It's the not explained well. It's not explained well at all. And she even says, I kept my end of the bargain. What about you? Yeah. What bargain? What bargain? Yeah. He asked for a favor, and you said yes. That was it. He okay. didn't offer anything in return. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think this might be the low point of season two. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. It's. I will say... It's not as bad as what we called the worst episode that we've ever seen. Yes. It's, what was that episode? Now I can't remember. I've, it has erased from my memory. Right. The one with the girl with the axe. Yeah. Uh, her mom Gosh. killed. and then now Oh, she... um, does it, darling, are you loath- loathsome tonight? I don't know. <sighs> it's just bad. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I would say, I mean, it's only the second or fourth episode. Yeah. It's nowhere near as good no, as, as the previous, previous episodes that we've yeah. covered. Definitely not. No. I would say it's definitely a lower tier for sure. I would probably say C plus, the plus being the um, special effects and mm-hmm. some of the jokes. D, and it only gets a D because of the special effects. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, That's it'd be fair. an F. That's fair. That's fair. Hopefully, the listeners enjoyed us ranting about it <laughs> more than the episode <laughs> i know i did so we can move on to the comic now yes which this is interesting because other than kind of a ground level 
the comic and the story in the show are not the same. They're not. The the basic uh, fundamental aspects of the characters are completely different. Yeah, I, I think this might be the most daylight between episode and comic that we've seen. Yeah, I can agree yeah. with that, for sure. All right. This is from Vault of Horror, number 28. Written with art by Johnny Craig. Color by the great Marie Severin. A... A white landowner in Haiti lives an idyllic white life with his wife, Donna. However, Donna dies of a fever. The white landowner is inconsolable. Does he have, actually have a name? He does. It's um, Steve, isn't it? Give me one second. Do, do, do. The, well, reason, the reason we're talking about this is because they don't actually, in the narration. Steve. Steve and Donna. Yes, it, it's Steve and Donna. But in the narration, he's it's not referred you. to as Steve. He's referred to as you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that. The white landowner is inconsolable. His Haitian servant, Jebko, offers to perform a voodoo ritual to bring Donna back from the grave. The spell works, but there is a price. Donna continues to rot. Though at first elated by his wife's return, the white landowner becomes horrified at her decaying state. He attempts to destroy her in multiple ways, but each time the undead Donna returns, determined to be with him. The landowner attempts suicide to escape. He then awakens and realizes that the same ritual that resurrected his wife has been performed on him, trapping his mind into the decaying body and binding him to Donna forever. Dun, dun, dun. And this was, uh, what is it, Vault of Horror number 28? Vault of Horror number 28. It's the first story. Oh, sorry, December 1952. Yes. With cover art also by Johnny Craig. And the cover art is incredible. Yeah. It is this, um, it's a voodoo ritual with people dancing around a rotting woman on a pole. Yes. Her, she has a skeletal face and this white nightgown and there's like flames. Yeah. Yeah. Is this Oh, there a, is there is actually one white dude in the crowd. Yes. Yeah. I noticed that. And is this the first story that we're covering where the same person did the the writing and the No, because Johnny Craig, we've covered him before. He he's done both art and Oh, on those yeah. previous stories. I think there might be a Gasly story or a Wally Wood story where he did both. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that it's kind of rare when uh, the writer and artist is the same person. Yeah. Kind of crazy. But, I mean, it's amazing art. Oh, for sure. absolutely amazing art. Art is the best part of the story. Yes. 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 I think the story, although as problematic, no, actually, it's not as problematic because it doesn't doesn't have the rape element to it. It's still very problematic, but it's handled better. Yeah. Uh, and is this the first cover story that we're covering? No, uh, all through the house was the very first cover story that we covered. Okay, yeah, okay. So that I'm trying to remember. There's been a few others. I, I can't remember off, off the top of my head, but yeah, there have been a few others. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, ready? Yeah, let's go. Well, let's do it. So uh, it opens, and it's the Vault Keeper because it's the Vault Horror, mm-hmm. right? And so he's putting on a gas mask, and he says, "This is a, such a foul story. It stinks, but I think you'll enjoy it." Put on your put on a clothespin or a gas mask. The splash page is of a man sweating and holding a recently fired gun. Smoke coming out of it. The narration says, and like Bruce said, the the narration of this story the whole time, which we assume is the vault keeper, is talking through the perspective of Steve. Yeah. But you're Steve. Yeah, the reader like a, is Steve. It's, it's a it's, second person narration. Yeah. It's the same style that we covered uh in hate. Hate. Yeah. Where, you know, just imagine everything happening to the main character is you. Mm-hmm. Just your name is Steve. So 
Hi, Steves out there listening. This is what's happened to your life. It says that you are the man at the dock waiting for a ship to arrive. You spent two years in the Caribbean building your sugar plantation. So it would be a, it would be a good fit for your woman. The ship arrives with your future wife. Then you see her. You say, Donna. And she says, Steve, the girl back home has come to marry you in your plantation in Haiti. You get in a buggy and you arrive at your plantation. Steve says, we're here. The minister is waiting. And in which I'm like, damn, like yeah. she just got here. Well, I, they had, I think it references them being engaged and he was here in Haiti spending all of his time getting money and preparing a home for her. Yeah, but at least get like get her to change also, or something. Well, it's the 1950s. They can't just live together. They have to be know. married. I guess so. She goes, "Oh, Steve, I'm so excited. You're quickly married and onto the cele- celebratory feast. The next few months are bliss." Yeah, and it's it's interesting because the celebratory feast here, unlike in the episode where they're in their plantation and they are with the white elite of the island, and they're mm-hmm. being served by Haitians. They're actually—it seems like they're celebrating with the Haitians. Yes, yes. I've noticed that there is a much less divide mm-hmm. with the people involved. There's still divide. Oh but, well, yeah, yeah, for sure. The next few months are bliss. Donna wakes you up every morning with a kiss. She changes this brooding voodoo island into an island of romance. Your happiness is complete. One day, she grows pale and ill. The doctor is called, and you know it isn't anything good. Jebco, your servant, says, Miss Donna has the bad jungle fever, Buana Steve. And I had to look it up. Buana is another word for master. Yeah, it's a Swahili word. The writer is trying. But doesn't know. Doesn't know, I mean, he's just ignorant. Swahili is from East Africa. The... Slaves were taken from West Africa. I've never heard that word before, so I had to look it up. There's a DC character who is a, uh, it's a one of the you know jungle comics that were popular in the 50s and 60s. Right. Uh, named uh, Bawana. It's, it's Bawana, right? Yeah. Bawana Beast. He's a white dude who lives in Africa. Huh. It, it's, it's, really, it's really just white Black Panther, if we're going to be honest. Right. Yeah. Weird. That night, the doctor pronounces her dead. The next day, you bury her through the sound of drums. Your island of romance has returned to its evil former self. Your life is completely empty now. Jebco tries hard to take her place, never leaving your side. It hurts him that you have been so sad. There are some things Jebco can't do for you, buddy. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> well, he could, but we might not mean to that. Man, I don't know. I mean, I was like, well, I don't think it's going to work out, bud. Yeah. But Jebco says... You're sick in the heart since Donna went away. Would you like to have her back? You, Steve, says, I'd give anything to have her back. That night, you drink heavily. You hear voodoo drums in the distance. Unbeknownst to you, Jebco removes your wife from the grave. Surrounded by voodoo worshippers, a ritual is performed. The narrator says the high priestess gyrates spasm radically radically before (laughs) the corpse tied to a pole is surrounded by fire and Donna begins to move. She is now a member of the living dead, a zombie. And it says zombie, 
Yes. Zombie. Zombie. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember here that the zombie they're talking about is much different than the Hollywood zombie that appeared with Night of the Living Dead in 1968. Yes. This is the traditional this, version yes. of the zombie mm-hmm. where it originally came from. from and I think they even spell it different. They spell it just uh, Z-O-M-B-I. I right? think so. Yeah. I think so. And so the next morning, you awaken to a kiss. You're happier than you've ever been. Life is beautiful. And I wrote a note like, you didn't question this? Like, he doesn't question it. He's like, oh, she's back. I think if a loved one returned from the grave, you may not question it. Eh, I'm you questioning You're going to be so elated that you might. And you might not. Mm. You might not question it too deep. I don't know. You might I'd, question it. But. After the shock, I would question it. Hmm. All know. right. That's just me. And so, you're happier than ever. Life is beautiful. The natives are happy that you have you have received your joy back, but only for a few days. Then you realize something. Steve says, Pew, take Donna, please take a bath. <laughs> Narrator says, a bath only helps a little, but only for an hour. Then you realize, my gosh, Bass won't help her because she's dead. She's starting to decay. <laughs> Narrator says, the sweltering days pass, and Donna gets even worse. Her skin starts to rot and drops from her bones, but she will not leave your side. So she's like stuck to him, like yeah. right next to him. And Steve says, please leave me alone. The next morning, before she can even kiss you, you said, don't kiss me, I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's my favorite panel where he's like, nope, I'm, I'm good. Nope. I'm good. Nope. <laughs> and so days turn into weeks. You no longer eat. And the natives, but the native seems not affected. That's weird. Yeah. Like no one cares, but you're just like, I can't eat. I haven't eaten in days. And then Steve holding a gun says, get away from me, you rotten thing. He shoots her, but it's no use. He grabs a knife and slices at her. Still nothing. Narrator says, you only make her look even worse. Strangling her, hanging, hanging her or drowning her also have no use. So he's trying everything. Yeah. Frustrated, you tie her up, put her on a helicopter that you use to scout cane fields. He's in the Thanos copter. Yes. You kick her out of the moving helicopter into the <laughs> fields, and she falls. Whoa. Yeah. That night, you stare out into the fields, seeing if she'll return. A couple of days pass, and you start to feel free of her. Till the till one morning, Jebco says, Buana, Miss Donna is back. <laughs> I love this panel, dude, because she's just like a ghostly figure in the distance. Yes, yes. She is rotten almost to a skeleton in a white dress. You run swiftly. You go to the medicine chest and drink poison. Like he's immediately like, mm-mm, I'm out. <laughs> you know, what's funny about both of these cases, they could just leave. Well, I mean, I'm just assuming that the course would... Fuck off to America or something. Yeah, but I mean, I'm assuming that the course would still find him. I mean, it would take months. Oh, How long would it take for a zombie walking through the ocean to get from Haiti to New I'm York not, City? Yeah, well, I, a long time. You have to think there's going to be wildlife down there. It doesn't care if you're a zombie or not. It's true. It's true. You start to feel the burning in your throat of the poison and you feel the blackness. All of a sudden, you hear thunder. You awake, and you're surrounded by fire and tied to a pole. 
You're surrounded by drums. Jebco cuts the rope that binds you. You walk through the fire, yet you feel nothing. Jebco says, It's good, Buana Steve. Stay with us, with Donna, all the time. The narrator says, You realize you're a zombie now, one of the living dead. You will be with Donna forever. And she comes. I'm sorry. I bet she does. (laughs) Fucking. (laughs) Oh, damn it. I said, well, technically, I was right. It says, here she comes. Yeah. What did I say? Here, yeah. She comes. Damn it. All right. Sorry. As it, uh, and it's funny because in the background, the blue skeleton of Donna approaches mm-hmm. you. Here comes the bride. You know, what's, what's interesting is that Donna seemed in charge of her facilities, right? She, oh. wants, she wants to be with him. She wants to be with Steve or you. But Steve, at the end of this, his eyes are wide. Like, he yes. is not in control. Right. Right. I mean... It's almost night and day, like you said. I mean, first off, there's no rape. Yeah. There's no murder. Story. No? Yeah. Because. No. Yeah, she just gets sick and dies. She just gets sick. Yeah. Um, they don't murder someone to get their land. It's just a dude living in Haiti. Who's in love with his wife. Who's in love with his wife. Or, yeah, wife. It's kind of a sweet story. I mean, they both have, have the same theme. I think, like, you know. I feel like it's just a misunderstanding. Watch out what you wish for, you know? Yeah, but I just feel like it's a misunderstanding. Yeah. Like, well, with, with the comic no. story, he goes, well, I mean, he, Jebco goes, do you want her back? And he goes, I'll get it. I'll, I'll give anything to have her back. And he does. But he doesn't understand what she actually is. Yes. It's not so much misunderstanding. And we'll get into this in, the, in a few minutes. But it's, it's almost malicious. I think it would, you know, from the Haitians. Y- yes, and there's there's a reason for that, and we'll get into that in a moment. Okay, okay. okay. Um, yeah, because what he they did not tell him what would happen. Right. They're like, okay, you want her back? All right. Watch out what you wish for. Right. And then there's no reason, other than maliciousness, to do to him at the end what they do. Like, if he just wants to die, let him die. But they're like, nope, we're gonna bind them together forever, mm. and he can't escape this. Interesting. I never, I didn't think of malicious intent mm-hmm. from Jebco in in the other Haitians, but they, but the, but it does say that the narrator narrator says the other people on the island don't notice her change, yeah, because they don't care. They don't care, no, wow. because this is some they're doing something to him. Wow, jeez, you made me think about it completely different. Yeah, wow, yeah. So, um, this came out in a. Sp- like a spat of films and TV shows about voodoo. Yeah. Like Hollywood has always had, you know, stories about voodoo. Right. And it seems like every few years they rediscover voodoo. Uh, and this has happened to be one of those times. Like we had, uh, geez, uh, we had Serpent in the Rainbow, mm. right? Which is about the, the, the anthropologist Wade Davis going to, uh, Haiti and trying to figure out the origins of zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, we had Angel Heart, uh, which is about New Orleans voodoo. Um, we had uh, Child's Play, hey. which he Charles Lee Ray gets his powers from voodoo. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, there was a Steven Seagal movie called Out for Justice, what? where he's fighting voodoo practitioners. Whoa! Yeah, well, they, it's not it's not voodoo technically voodoo, but it's lumped in with voodoo. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was, um, let's see, there's a movie called Believers that came out about um, 
God, it had um, Martin Sheen in it where he his son is being targeted by a voodoo cult for oh. a sacrifice. Whoa. Uh, there was, just a few years after this, there was a voodoo episode of The X-Files. Oh. I think you know, three or four years later. So yeah, every so often, Hollywood rediscovers the, yeah. the right of voodoo. And I think this this time, or this time period, it was wrapped up in the sa- satanic panic. Because mm-hmm. if you watch documentaries or you read literature from that time period, they often lump voodoo in with Satanism. It's completely different. Yeah, it's completely yeah, uh, well, completely different. And we'll get to that in here in a second too. But like, they will devote time to voodoo rituals and how this is this is a threat to good white Christian Americans. Right. Right. And I think this is what we see here is kind of wrapped up in that that moral panic at the time over voodoo. Um, but while I was researching this episode, I came across a paper called it's got a, it's got a confusing title and well, I'll try to clarify it here in a minute Haitian voodoo and voodoo imagine religion and popular culture this is by Adam McGee in the journal called the studies in religion um, he differentiates voodoo and voodoo the first is voodoo v-o-d-o-u the real voodoo Haitian voodoo mm-hmm. and voodoo v-o-o-d-o-o which is the Hollywood white cultural invention Mm. that um, he, to clarify it further, well, he calls it, and we'll call it from going on, imagined voodoo. Mm-hmm. It's not a, what you see depicted in movies and TV shows as being voodoo is not actually voodoo. Like the doll with a needle in it. Yeah. I mean, like, like they might take, heads. they might take elements from it. Yeah. But it's completely a white invention. Yeah. This imagined voodoo. And he postulates in this that, Voodoo, as seen, imagined voodoo, is a way for a white culture to exercise its uh, racial anxieties, hmm. uh, particularly around like about colonialism and slavery, and particularly our treatment of Haitians. Hmm. Um, because when we got we 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 being you know white culture, we went to Africa, got slaves, brought them back over. Or we colonize these areas where there were minorities, or well, they're not minorities in those areas. Right. We went to areas that are like black cult, uh, countries and stuff and colonize them. The our relationship to them is supposed to be one directional. Uh, it's supposed to be we exploit them. Right. But because of colonialism and slavery, we got intertwined, and we realized, oh, we have this intimate relationship with these people now. When I say we, I mean white. And we started thinking of them like not only are they here among us, they are a corrupting influence and they are a threat. Not only are they a threat, they're a malicious threat to us. Oh. And that is exemplified through our depictions of voodoo. Well, what he describes in, the, in his paper is that it, um, what, how you depict imaginary voodoo is how you view the the stereotypical practitioners. It's bestial. Right. It's violent. It's evil. It's something apart from Christian culture. Good. Quote it's something unquote, good. good. Yeah. It's something evil. It's something out there malicious. Yeah. To attack us. Um he talks about how like it's it's a way of setting apart black people from white culture. You know, white cultures were enslaving, exploiting, and killing black peoples. This is a way of saying, oh, no, they're the threat to us yeah. because they're different. They're evil. They do these uncivilized things. And this goes back, and this, this has been in pop culture forever, going back to like H.P. Lovecraft in the Call of Cthulhu story, 
where he describes um, voodoo practitioners as degenerate and ignorant hmm. and engaging in bacchanal fe- festivities to worship Cthulhu. Hmm, weird. Right. And, and a lot of it is tied into how we view Haitians uh, because ha- Haiti is actually the home of the largest and most successful slave revolt in history. In 1804, Haiti was, it wasn't called Haiti then, I can't remember the name it was called. The slaves revolted against the French landowners mm-hmm. and slave owners, and they slaughtered them. And they won their freedom. Mm-hmm. But it terrified the rest of the world that slaves were revolting. Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, if, for example, like, the United States did not recognize Haiti as a country until like the 1860s, like 60 years later. Right. Right. Um, but what happened was it, w- it was the most lucrative colony in the world for anybody because of agriculture on the island. Like they, you know, particularly like sugar. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 18, the 1820s, France sent, sent gunboats to Haiti and said, we're going to bomb the island unless you pay us reparations for the slave revolt. What? And so they had no choice. And it was like 125 billion francs, which was 10 times as much as the United States paid for the Louisiana Purchase. That doubled the size of the country. Right. Um, it took over 120 some odd years for Haiti to pay it back. In the uh, early 1900s, the United States was worried about European influences in the country. And so we invaded. This is brutal occupation. And we occupied the country until the 1930s, but we financially controlled it until 1947, a year before Margaret dies. Oh. Yeah. And and during that time when we financially controlled the country, we withdrew 40% of the country's income. Oh, damn. And sent it to either the United States or France. It wasn't until 1947 that they paid off their reparations. (laughs) Whoa. And so a lot of our cultural anxieties about voodoo come from this, like, deeply ingrained fear of a slave revolt. Wow. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> that's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> Made me rethink this whole episode. Yeah, and so, th- th- I mean, that's what we see. We see, um, we can see through that lens, we can see where the, the Haitians in the comic were doing it out of maliciousness. Yeah they were doing something against they weren't helping him they were doing something against him right right uh the the main character and we see that again in this um the episode even though this dude is horrible right? oh yeah yeah these things are being done to him by the voodoo practitioners right i yeah. think it's it's masked with the whole like scorn lover mm-hmm. it's masking that it's masking that but the the force driving it are these evil va- uh, voodoo practitioners? I mean, the first shot is a, a, a ritual. Yeah, you know, yeah. with a photo of him mm-hmm. with blood on it being put in a fire. Exactly, and a chicken getting uh, mm-hmm. killed. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. there you go. And it's just like the whole thing of like the stereotypical like, look, they're savages. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Damn. How you imagine voodoo, mm-hmm. the Hollywood voodoo? Yeah. Right is how you see the, the supposed practitioners right. of voodoo, right? Wow. Or the stereotypical practitioners, which they're not white people. They're black people, right? right. So, yeah. <laughs> That's heavy <laughs> as fuck. I mean, uh, the only thing, I have differences. Like, um, 
the main character in the TV, Logan, he's a douchebag. Steve is just... He's a good guy. He seems like a decent guy. Yeah. I mean, he's a plantation owner in Haiti, but I mean... Right. I mean, he's he at least loves his girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, by the way, there is no, there is a doctor in the comic, but he's never seen. Yeah, it's not like a, a go get the doctor. Okay. Yeah, it's just That's go it. get the doctor. Yeah. Like in the show, it's a cohort. Yeah, who is evil as well. Um, there doesn't seem to be uh, not that much scheming on the um, the white people. Yeah, uh, there's in the, in that, the comic, and that really exemplifies like what I was talking about earlier about like voodoo being this. Uh, malicious force against white people. Right. Uh, because he doesn't do any, like, from what you see, other than being a landowner, he seems to treat his people, the people that work for him, well. Right. He sees Jebco as an equal, it seems like. Yeah. He, when he gets married, he celebrates with the Haitians. Yes. He is trying to uh, befriend them on a certain level, but they are rejecting that. Yeah. And this well, is what, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about earlier, where, like, where um, the way we depict voodoo is a reversal of the racial politics. Yeah. Where where we are rejecting the black people among us. White white people are rejecting the black people among them. They reverse it here, and it's like he's trying to befriend them, but they won't accept him. They're othering themselves. Wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no shit. Um, what did you think of the comic? I actually liked it. I think the art's better than it's the better. story. It's the the art is better than the story. Um, I enjoyed reading it. Uh, I liked it a lot better than the show. Yeah, the show is. It's got it's got good effects, but it's got bad acting. A lot of the jokes don't land. Bad scripting. Oh yeah, there's like two or three plot holes that I just that, that make no sense. I can see why she never wrote again. Hmm. Actually, she wrote a TV show called Super Carrier. Which was like uh, about uh, life on an aircraft carrier. I was about to say, isn't that um, super carrier? <laughs> Wasn't that the GI Joe ship? Or that's USS Flag? This is a flag, yeah. Oh, I never had. No, that wait, wait. Kid. I thought it was. Was it the flag? Cause I thought it was General Flag or Admiral Flag. I don't know. Eh. You know, someone's gonna comment. Oh, be like, oh, definitely Kevin Cochran. Oh, <laughs> well, come on, bud. Let us know what it is. He's like, you dumb. Fucking idiot. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty much it, really. Yeah, I that's mean, it. Uh, overall, I thought it was it was, it was pretty good, but yeah. ultimately, I think a forgettable yeah. story for sure. But um, but still, it was fun. The the only I think the only nice touch to it, and I say this nice as in like it's. Let me rephrase that. The only significant touch I think to this that makes it stand out is the fact that it places you in the story. Yeah. And again, yeah. hey, this is another way of like as many as many times as they did, you know, these culturally aware stories. This is a place where they're like, this could happen to you. Duh, yeah. yeah. Dun, dun, dun. These black people. Right. Could betray you. As and, you're owning a plantation <laughs> on their on their land. On their land. Yeah. Right. <laughs> How dare they do that to you? <laughs> right. It's so stupid. But I mean, at least the, at least the. um the TV episode had good uh, effects. Yeah, I would say, but obviously, the director is the shining light of this mm-hmm. episode because I mean, he, like you said, he did so many yeah iconic designs for for movies. So, I don't know. 
All right. Pretty good. But uh, once again, want to wish everybody a happy new year. A happy new year, everyone. Looking, looking forward to 2022 and all the fun The revenge. Stories, the revenge. And all the fun stories we're going to cover in this podcast. For yeah, sure. looking forward to it. And, we'll uh, be back next time with Three's a Crowd, which was a spinoff of Three's Company. But <laughs> <laughs> my favorite sitcom of all it, time. It is. I, I don't... No, no. This is this is the fifth episode of the second season. Three's Company, based on the story in Shock Suspense Stories, you number said eleven. Company. Did I say Three's Company? You did. <laughs> well, come and knock on my door. <laughs> we do have social media. We do have social media, which you'll need to tell them about because I forget it and I didn't write it down either. <laughs> you can catch me at Horror Ryan on Twitter. And Where can they catch you they on Twitter? They can find me at Mr. Spooky Bruce on Twitter. And you can found the sh- find the show at Crypt Keepers Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And we have an email. We do. It is CryptKeepersShow at gmail.com. You can tell us how bad this episode is. You can <laughs> talk about how much I'm a douchebag for not liking homages to 80s horror. You can... Uh, you t- Say whatever you want, really. You can wish us a happy new year. Who you know, there's actually shit? even the voicemail. Really? Yeah. If you look at the bottom of the Spotify page, there's a, there's a thing you can like hit and leave like a voicemail. Oh. I, know, so I noticed that like the other day. Cool. Yeah. Well, someone out there, hit us up. Yeah. And what's the next story that we're going to cover? Uh, it's Three's Company. We'll be covering next time. We'll, we'll be covering Three's a Crowd based on a story in Shock Suspense Stories number 11. Until then, pleasant screams. And see you soon, kitties. The ceremony mingles the demons of humanity's oldest fears with elements of a young religion. The result is a faith filled with the spirits of good and evil and tinged with magic. For priest and practitioner alike, the cares of the real world disappear in the ecstasy of celebration. Going to a voodoo, going to a voodoo priestess. He would oh. <laughs> going to a voodoo priest. Jesus Christ, Bruce! You wrote this. <laughs>